So I'm here um, today with Stephen and Lance, who are the founders of 3Co, um, and they are going to talk to us about how they started a plant tech company using augmented reality. Um, so just to give a bit of background on 3Co, it's a digital marketplace whereby consumers can purchase pot plants in augmented reality using their phone. Uh, consumers can simulate what these plants would look like in their living rooms or bedrooms and find which ones they like best um, and then purchase this with one click. There's a huge gap between being able to walk into a garden store and going online to on a website and buying a plant. So their aim is to create this new purchasing experience for the consumer. So welcome to the show guys. How are you today? We're doing great. Thanks for having us. Yep. No problem. So do you guys just want to introduce yourselves and tell us what you do? Sure. So Steve Jenkins, uh, basically look after anything that uh, that no one else wants to do. Sort of the, the role of a startup CEO. Uh, there's a lot of fun stuff that we do. Um, I get to talk to customers, get out there into the wild to understand the, the business problems. Um, but yeah, um, sort of that business interface into the company is my focus. Cool thing. Uh, so this is Lance Legal. And uh, I'm the CTO, so whereas, whereas Steve says he does the shit work, <laughs> I do the uh, super hard work. And, uh, you know, together we, we kind of make it work. So glad to be here. Okay. And how old are you both? And where are you both originally from? Uh, 29, from Catskill, New York, home of Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also 29. Uh, I'll be 30 in a few days. So it's always been a goal to be a millionaire by the age of 30 and <laughs> maybe on paper we're getting there, so it's looking good. Closer to that dream. Yeah. So did you guys go to university and if so, what did you study? So I studied uh, economics and urban planning uh, at Cornell University in New York. So what's urban planning? Do you want to just yeah. elaborate on that? Sort of like SimCity. Okay. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, lot of SimCity. Uh, no, it's all about understanding like <laughs> social dynamics in cities, economic dynamics, um, looking at uh, some good examples of uh, urbanization and a lot more bad examples. So we spent a lot of time learning about Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> yep, don't go to Los Angeles. Sorry for that right now. Um, yeah, so my background, I originally studied physics. I was... Uh, super into astrophysics. I wanted to find the aliens out there, um, truly. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then I decided to focus on shit going on on Earth. So um, I concluded that computers were super useful at some point and uh, got into computer science, robotics. Um, I was in a neuroscience lab where I got into artificial intelligence and that was like five, six years ago. So it's been a wild ride. And uh, yeah, we think there's a lot that AI and um, sort of new technologies around, well, augmented reality to be specific, um, what they can do for cities. Steve was talking about kind of SimCity. What if we had a real life SimCity that, mm. you know, people could see what their future city could look like and together decide, that, yeah. yeah, not have just corrupt politicians deciding everything. So. We think that we can get there in the next 10 years. Wow. And would you guys say you were good students kind of growing <laughs> up? <laughs> no, no. I mean, in I high school, I was okay. Um, I actually was not. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I mean we got the grades, but like, yeah, did we really care about school? <laughs> up until what point did you actually start caring? <laughs> I got, yeah, I failed a few classes in college. What <laughs> classes did you fail? Uh, well, one. Well, apparently D minus is no C minus is failing in some classes, which is, I think is bullshit. Mm. Is Liter that equivalent, equivalent to a C? In no, the UK? It, there's like a, a failing is an F, right. and then and then you have D in between C, okay. but apparently C minus wasn't good enough. <laughs> according to your according to my major, <laughs> I would I say took that uh, <laughs> I was one of those kids in college who got okay grades, but was always trying to do stuff outside of class. Mm. And I think that that's definitely served me best. 
in the real world. Cause what what kind of stuff? Like, like extracurriculum? Like or researching mm. um, on my own, basically, or something like that. Um, and the idea being, you know, when you get out outside of those constructs of a university, like, it's just the people who didn't learn how to think for themselves mm. or the people who didn't learn how to lead others are just kind of you know they get they get in pretty rough situations i think so entrepreneurship has definitely always been like the way from my perspective to kind of rise above and think outside the box yeah I guess. for sure yeah i mean i think just on the since we're talking about grades um we're <laughs> talking about them uh, so let's bring this back to my gpa <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i mean so a friend of a friend uh who went to penn somewhat famously published his uh his grades which were like basically all c's uh and of course it's a good college but he he did that because he's now incredibly successful uh and it was in reaction to a lot of uh, students actually like not to get like too deep but like taking their own lives because they mm -hmm. for the first time ever they got something lower than an a minus mm -hmm. and they don't see a future in their life and so yeah if there's anyone out there who's you know, getting bad grades. I think you you should focus on getting good grades on the thing you you care about. Because um, yeah, I'd much rather. <laughs> we're hiring for marketing designers, and, and if people are, uh, and if if people got straight A's in marketing design and in straight D's and everything else, like, yeah. that's 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 fine. I mean, it's you not know, like that you're that. not learning. I mean, grades are about like a metric of learning. But the point is that don't do shit you don't like and find that thing you're really passionate about. Find your niche and yeah. then focus on and that. And just line. go all in. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think there's, um, there's quite an interesting book called The One Thing and it talks about how you should find your passion and focus on that one thing and then forget the rest, you know, focus all your, all, all your energy on that. But it's difficult because some people from a young age don't necessarily know what they're, you know, right. what they're good at or... Right. And the best or thing you can do they is enjoy. Yeah. You know? So if someone's really young and they're like, I'm doing 10 things, I mean, my advice isn't, oh, you have to focus. If you're really young, it's like, cool, we'll have fun, you know? You'll yeah, probably get explore. Like, <laughs> crushed by nine of them, but, you know, if one of them turns out to be the thing. Yeah. Okay. So, do you guys just want to tell us about your journey up until now? And so, what, what was your first job coming out of university? So, you obviously didn't start three... Um, Rico coming out of uni. Watch out, um, we did. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg's. No, yeah, you gotta learn. Because, like, yeah. I remember, so I met Stephen in Brazil, and I remember us being in the hostel one morning at <laughs> breakfast, and you were there with your MacBook, like, coding, <laughs> whilst everyone else was just, you know, traveling and enjoying and chilling. Yeah. And I was like, what, what are you doing? And you were telling me about coding and how you were a freelancer. So, how, um, how has that come about? And tell us about your journey yeah, um, up so until then. So my first job out of college was in New York City. It was uh, at a financial technology startup uh, that basically uh, modernized uh, like an archaic trading platform. Bye guys. <laughs> Steve's got friends. Uh, <laughs> yep. Um, so that went well. Um, after four years, uh, I left with a lot of equity that I vested into, which allowed for me to take on a new skill set uh, so over the next year I learned to code uh, started traveling wait was this self-taught yes yeah so uh, a mixture of uh, asking Lance how to do things uh, and asking Google how there's to do a, there's things there's a fun story where we're in Miami we know we want to start a company together but you know we don't really know what we're doing we're coding and Steve's learning some really hard shit and like He's like sweating and he's super like bothered by the by the challenges that he's facing, but he's very determined to get through it. And this is a story that I think anyone could really have. Um, and you know, I'm like, Steve, we should turn on the air conditioning. He's like, No, 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 it's fine. And, and then like a week passes, and you know, he's sweatier, and the the challenges have are still there. And I'm from South Florida, so I know this is just going to get hotter. And I'm just like, Steve, I, I think we should turn on the air conditioning. And then he looks at himself, and he looks around, and he's just completely soaked in sweat. And he looks around, and he's just like, yeah, I think we should turn on the air conditioning. <laughs> and, and basically, the story, though, for me is really about how Steve's like, just driven to get past that hard stage. There's always going to be this really awkward stage when you're learning something that's mm. truly transformative for you. And the fact is, it's going to be extremely painful. Um, but, you know, really for him, it was like a year. That's, that's about it. 
so he didn't have any programming background before that and he just was simply extremely dedicated for like a year and then he was taking on contracts remotely digital nomading in brazil surfing for mm. you know like it's a nice the other side is nice you have to get through it yeah you know and that's my message right there so that comes on to my next question so i guess you were basically working as digital nomads what what was it like um like comparing that to the normal nine to five that you previously were used to working in yeah go ahead Lance. um i mean yeah uh much more freedom uh you also need to be a hustler to to basically pull down you really just need one contract it's about convincing one person to let you to pay you money while you're off somewhere <laughs> doing whatever you want um, and really the way to do that is to have this sort of like unfair skill advantage in a certain thing that they really want. Mm. You're just like so much better than everyone else at something. It, even if that something is like, I don't know, I don't know whatever your weird thing is, but you know, if you're just so much better basically at something that is actually in demand, you can basically set the terms. So the person says, I want you to come in nine to five and you're like, no, but I'm going to go to Brazil and I'll do the work for you. And so they're like, hmm. But you'll do the work and then you know you set your routine for doing yeah. that basically and how did you find your clients initially when you were first starting out um yeah i think stuff like angel angel this uh is really good because you can say like remote contractor uh part-time flex and like your skill set so mm. like and in my case it was like machine learning okay so can you kind of give some advice on people for maybe their listeners who are still working in the nine to five and potentially thinking about wanting to make that move um, to you know make that jump to be a freelancer or work remotely and um, can you just shed some light on the preconceptions there are around having like being outside of your comfort zone and not having that security net of a full-time job yeah I think it's good to have a runway you know so you definitely have to have savings because if you don't and you're going sort of week by week, you're not going to be optimizing for the long run. So I was lucky enough to have some savings saved up, uh, which gave me that year of runway uh, to learn how to code so that when I wanted to make some more money, I could just make some more money real easily. Um, I, I could see that. The runway is nice. Um, at the same time, for me, it's been about learning skills that I can just make a lot of money on demand. And so for me, it's been about skills, like, because um, you don't necessarily need to go digital nomad to take on your first freelance contract, mm. you know. Um, so you can take a freelance contract on uh, while you're currently in your nine to five job, and when you go home at night, go ahead and you know be working on that contract, and that gets you into the habit of really it's about hustling, you know. You got to you got to basically convince like one person to pay you some money, and I think the way you're going to do that is by having it's it's about skill set, you know. It's about like okay, if you can do graphic design or if, you, if you're a good copywriter or, mm. you know, there's so many skills out there. It's not like there's just a one-dimensional thing you can do, but it's about finding something that is truly in demand and you, you have to be, if you're not good at it, that's okay, but get really good at it. You know, that's the point. Like, develop your skill set yeah. to the point where you can just start commanding salary. So when you say skill set, do you mean that finding that specific niche of skill or, yeah. or kind of being? Yeah, I mean, once you once you have a niche, then you can develop several niches and you can be a so-called generalist. And you mm. know, that's like what an entrepreneur kind of has to be. Yeah. You know, um, so that's like the next step is like you're no longer just doing like freelance contracting in this one niche thing. You've managed to like actually have some basics of like general business. And, you know, that's why freelancing is like a natural step before um, starting up your own startup. business yeah. yeah I think it makes a lot of sense actually yeah no I agree so where did you guys both meet uh, well, Lance and I met playing basketball in New York okay. yeah. yeah Lance was getting his masters from Columbia uh, University drop out too expensive yeah yeah um, so yeah met playing uh, I think it's important for um, in the all investors will tell you this to have a, a very very strong foundation uh, when starting a company with someone else yeah. and it shouldn't be someone that you met uh, over st like a startup weekend it needs to be someone that you enjoy being around mm -hmm. so I mean Lance and I were traveling together for two years and we haven't killed each other yet That's always so, <laughs> so far so good we've um, had our existential crisis and the, just to expect that two things one is don't don't go it alone really don't go it alone if freelancing you can go it alone but when you start a company don't do it um 
just because you're gonna you're gonna be crushed some days. The other days, the founder will be there for you. Um, it's rare that both of you will be crushed, um, but at the same time, um, you're gonna want to kill the founder some days, and uh, <laughs> you know that's why it's good that the other person doesn't necessarily want to kill you at the same time. And um, also, you really do. This what Steve's saying is you really need some actual you know value system alignment and actual like things you enjoy doing together. Um, in other words, like yeah, don't just don't just speed date your co-founder. Yeah, you, know? you need to have. It's almost like being in a relationship, though, right? And it's <laughs> worse than marriage. <laughs> <laughs> like all the bad parts, but not the good parts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> and, and do you think do you think both your strengths and weaknesses complement each other? Yeah, for sure. Um, and do you want to expand on that? Uh, yeah, I mean. So my background was in business development and Lance's was in technology. So when investors are looking for a, a founding team, they want, they want a business guy and they want a technology guy or gal. Um, the, what changed is that you know, Lance, uh, Lance is incredibly good at business as well. Um, and and Steve's I've become a fantastic coder. I've become okay at, at coding. So you're, you're, you, just by being around someone, you take on some of their characteristics yeah, and skill sets so yeah. uh, you do kind of bleed into each other in, in good ways which helps you communicate mm -hmm. uh, at a deeper level On that and note, more it's, efficiently. It's really cool to think about some, who is the person you admire most, you know, who's someone who you enjoy spending time with because you learn from them consistently. I remember when I first met Steve and I realized we were starting a company together, I was like, I have a feeling it's going to take years for us to fully learn about each other, mm. which is great because we came from incredibly different backgrounds. Um, and so finding someone who has like some values aligned with you, but also is yeah maybe very different from you, yeah, um, is actually a very good idea. And um, what made you to think right like we could be good partners? Uh, I mean, it started as a friendship, so. Uh, yeah. No, I'm just remembering the day where I allegedly broke up with him as a friend. I'm like, Steve, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that did happen. Why? Yeah. What happened? Uh, uh, what happened? Well, Lance basically said the, the business is first, the friendship is second. And I agree with that, you know? It's sort of like if you have a kid together, the children are first, yeah. the relationship, you know, that's your that's happiness that. is second. Yeah. I mean, that's what he was getting at, and, and I agree with, I agree with him. It's just because the, like, mm. sort of emotional stuff that you can do as a friend versus, like, the massive life-changing work that we can do for each other, you know, as partners, is the, the second is just so much more beneficial to focus mm. on for each other, basically. Yeah. It's amazing how much, like, Steve, I can't thank this man enough. I remember where we were too. We were at the lower, like fried lower Manhattan place. fried chicken joint. <laughs> <laughs> it was like after, a fancy fried chicken joint. After a <laughs> huge, like all metals after and like a huge medicine. blow up yeah. Uh, from yeah, fast forward labs. Oh man, I know. <laughs> sorry, sorry, folks at fast forward. Uh, and then we went to Experimental Cocktail Company, that was which fun. was nice. And then we, yeah, Lance broke up with me as a friend uh, <laughs> at a fried chicken joint. But the truth in of it the is, East Village. Classy. <laughs> as a matter of inspiration, yeah. I mean. <laughs> The statistics on startups are pretty bleak. Like, if you want to make a lot of money, you're better off actually joining a startup, um, an early stage startup that's already established. But if you really have a passion for something, you really want something in the world that doesn't exist, then yeah, you can go for it. But just, you know, be prepared for a lot of shitty times. I mean, yeah. that's the truth of it. So the statistics are not so good. It's like the average successful founder, this is the one, you know, 90% fail or something like this, right? But then, of the 10% that succeed and actually have an exit, it's like they get like $3 million or something. Yeah, it's not like, not much. you know, 100 million or something like that. And then if you think about it, that happening over like five or 10 years, and you divide that out, you're like not making much more money than, you know. I'd be better off staying at my last job. Yeah, yeah. being employed. Right, <laughs> yes. so you have to either believe you're exceptional um, and then force yourself to be exceptional um, or you just have to be comfortable with that outcome yeah. or just don't do a startup. <laughs> so do you want to tell us a bit more about Freeco and um, what you do and how it works? Yeah, so uh, it's a digital marketplace for plants. Um, what Lance and I learned after moving to Amsterdam, uh, having created a sort of Shazam for plants, uh, was that there's just a lot of unsolved problems uh, f on behalf of uh, for the consumer. Uh, in the in the in the plant industry, the first being um, 
you know, this huge disconnect between going into a garden store in real life and getting to ask questions and see the plant and hold the plant um, versus going on to Amazon.com and buying it. Uh, and, and the second part was, uh, you know, getting the resources to care for the plant. You know, so how much am I supposed to water this plant? Do I need to expose it to direct sunlight? Um, do, when do I repot it? How do I rep- like all these things? Th- there's there was just no good place for a consumer to uh, to get that information, and our focus is on m- improving the consumer experience for plants like lowering the friction for people to reconnect with nature because i you know we were in new york city and there's this like huge project with a hundred thousand plants and like everyone loves being around those plants like it's cool to be in a forest or it's really cool Mm. to be surrounded by all of this but nobody knows how to take care of it and it's actually really hard to get so we wanted to solve both those problems as you said and how did you get into the plant industry uh, I yeah. just busted in. <laughs> <laughs> we got pretty lucky, yeah. actually. We were actually in Tokyo, digital nomading, when oh no, it was Kyoto. Um, <laughs> we were on this like large pagoda, looking out onto like a river, and then like we found out these farmers in Amsterdam wanted new technology. That we had applied to an incubation program, and to people who are thinking like, you know, oh, if you're thinking about startups and you're like, oh, I need to go to accelerator incubator. Even if you've never heard of the thing, if it's related to what you want to do, do it. Because we thought we knew how to do a business. <laughs> we we watched no like, idea. We know what we're doing. And then all of a sudden we're like, wait a second, we don't know shit. <laughs> it's amazing to get a support network around you, you know, people who just want to see you succeed. So incubator is a great step. If you if you want to do something in specific like graphic design and it's an incubator for graphic designers, do it. Like yeah. try to go for it. There's a really nice platform called F6S. Mm where you can create a, pro- a profile of your business yeah. um, and uh, basically search all of the different accelerators and, and incubation programs. programs. It's sort of like a, I don't know if you guys have it in the UK, but it's in the US we have this thing called the common application where we just create one application and we apply with that to all the different universities. Um, so it's like the common application for uh, startup accelerators yeah. and incubation programs. So I guess it's just out of chance then, you kind of meeting those farmers in Kyoto. We, we were like, it was, I felt like I was crazy for some time, and I think Steve thought I was crazy too. Um, he's nodding his head. It, you know, <laughs> basically, like, there was this very, very subtle research thread where you know, every day I was reading more about this stuff of like the value of plants and basically... There was this, there was this like work co-working community in um, in Lisbon, uh, Portugal. And uh, Lisbon's great for co-working, isn't it? Yeah, yeah and it's, it, it's called Second Home Lisboa, and it has a thousand plants in the, in it. And I remember going inside of it, and like my literally my breath was taken away by how fresh the air was, and also by how beautiful the space was. And like, I almost cried when they like didn't let me get a membership in there. But then, like, they gave me a membership, and I just remember saying, like, this has to be, like, a big thing. If we can just make it so that people can push a button and get a thousand plants in their co-working space, how cool would that be? And I remember, and, like, eventually we, we kept trying to figure out, like, how can we do this? Like, we knew we wanted to make it easy to get a lot of plants. I mean, that was, like, something that seemed to be an idea or a premise behind our research. But we really like didn't have clarity on what the specific thing we needed to do was. Um, and so when one of the fellows in that community suggested there's this horticultural incubation program, um, we were like, sure, we'll, we'll tell them we can build technology for plants. Yeah. I mean, we had an idea. It's not the same thing we're doing now. So the point is, like, don't, don't get too caught up on the idea. It's more about, like, where do you want to go? Like, what... What kind of uh, an outcome for yourself and for the world would be like really pleasing? Yeah. Even if you don't exactly know how to get there, it's actually really helpful to be very ambitious about this vision. Like, be like, well, I just want to, you know, I just want to help a thousand children with their education or something like, you know, like you don't have to be super specific. You have to give yourself time to let the idea evolve into mm-hmm. a concrete plan of action. But the point is, like, yeah, we set a super ambitious goal for ourselves to like 
push a button and get a high line, which is a hundred thousand plans, and like we're still on this goal. Like, yeah, we haven't achieved that yet. So it's like it's fun because you know you you have that north like star. It's like taking steps to get there. Right? Yeah, like you know where you want to be in ten years, mm. you know, or five years or two years, um, and you always want to reverse engineer that to where you are today. Yeah, and make sure you're making progress on it. So just to give a bit of background on the incubation program that you both um, were involved in, so it's actually called Let It Grow, right? And um, so the platform facilitates entrepreneurs um, and urban idealists in bringing their green innovations to life. Um, it was obviously a very competitive program. What, why, why do you think you guys got chosen out of all the other applicants? Uh, well, uh, probably luck. Maybe it was an admin error. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think they saw us as, you know, <laughs> technology, uh, you know, producers of technology. Um, the other startups in the cohort were more lifestyle businesses. Um, and while we were sort of outsiders, we were sort of like these rogue cowboys from America <laughs> here to solve all the plant problems using technology yeah um i think they like that about us and, and i mean we learned way more from them than they learned from us uh so so we we benefited greatly from the from the program and i think it was like as steve said the tech there's like almost there's not really many technology companies focusing on plants right now no not at all there's almost none and um but that goes on the theme with like you think you're crazy you're like well i have this idea to combine like I don't know, like graphic designers and marketers and like children, and I just think if children had access, and you're like, you, st you go on this crazy thread that like nobody's thought of these combinations of things before, but like you feel like it could be something. Mm. And my encouragement to you is continue on that thread. Like, don't let someone tell you you're crazy. Yeah. You'll feel it. But don't listen to the self doubt. Just yeah. keep going. Yeah. Yeah. It's about getting on this Alice in Wonderland journey and just, just keep going deeper into the rabbit hole. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So obviously you guys were previously based in Amsterdam um, and you've just moved to London. So we're currently in, in London in the uh, Techstars kind of office or what would you say this is like a co-working space? Yeah. So it doesn't really feel like an office, does it? <laughs> no, we're, uh, we're lucky enough to be in a, a, a co-working space called Rise London, which is sponsored by Barclays. Right. Super um, nice. Yeah, so Barclays partners with Techstars for a 13-week accelerator program, and Techstars also has the general Techstars program, right. um, which starts pretty much immediately after the Barcap one. So tell us how you managed to get this opportunity. Uh, <laughs> a lot of persistence. <laughs> yes, I think it was the think hardest like thing I ever did. Startups applied. A thousand two hundred wow. startups applied. And how many got accepted? Ten. Wow. And then yeah. it's like this like brutal interview process over a whole month. It goes from a thousand to eighty to forty to twenty. You can imagine how, how we're feeling at twenty. We're like, we went this far. How could we possibly not go? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the the way we got in to the top eight percent, which was the first cut, was uh, a series of warm introductions. Lance knew people in Colorado. I had friends who had done the program, so we came highly recommended. Which is um, good. Use the network. Yeah. Don't don't think you're cheating. You, you're yeah, <laughs> you're yeah, succeeding. Yeah. yeah, you have to you have to come in warm. Yeah. Otherwise, even if you're great, you can't blame them for missing you. Yeah. You right. know, 920 plus startups yeah. were said no to, and I, I imagine some of them are led by really really great founders. We got the warm intro. We showed keen interest by just we literally were in Amsterdam, but we said, hey, let's visit them in London. So we literally showed up to their office and demoed our technology to them. And the point being, again, just like, don't be afraid to be passionate about your, your company in front of the people who are judging you. That's what they measure you on, mm. is how passionate are you. If you, can go, if you can come along and like, do something that they're like, you know, instead of, instead of just handing them an application or whatever, this is true for jobs, this is yeah. true for everything. Take the next step. Yeah, like, go ahead and be that crazy person with like a huge sign that says like, <laughs> I will you know, do, I will like marry you now or something like that. I, I don't know, like the point being like, go above and beyond, find a way to go above and beyond mm -hmm. to impress people. 
and at the same time as Steve says like don't try to go at it on like go through the go through your network of people if you don't have a big network like find a co-founder who does <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I totally agree um, so Lance your brother has recently just joined the team your younger brother um, so on the topic of building a team uh, what would what, what do you think um, what kind of characteristics do you guys look for and, and maybe in the future where you plan to expand like if you were to take on more people to join your team what kind of characteristics do you look for in an individual to who would make good return on investment it's, it's a great question I'm actually let Steve comment I'm actually gonna let Steve comment first because he had some interesting comments with someone else who was applying mm. yeah um, so the first thing I'd say is you have to hire for your weaknesses um, so we're hiring in design and marketing but uh, yeah so I had a he'll go uh, unnamed but I had I've had a couple of people approach me saying hey I want to work for you this summer and uh, I'm thinking of one person who uh, you know basically when someone says that they want to work for us I say okay give me tell me why yeah. uh, you know so here's yes. our business here's here's the future that we're looking to create explain to me how you fit into that what your skill set is and how you plan to accelerate a, us towards that like very specific goal and when Brendan Lance's brother uh, was joining in the process of joining I should say he was super thorough uh, addressed points that I hadn't even thought of uh, so it, it was really easy to say yes it was like an obvious let's get him the F over here whereas another person uh, basically said like four points and I know he's a smart he, he went to Harvard smart guy uh, but he's unemployed and uh, I need to write back to him like look dude like here's why uh, we're not going to take you and, and reason for it is you have to be thorough you have to stand out and the competition is intense mm. and, like it was so much easier to say yes to, to Lance's brother to Brendan um, and, and to build on why and, and where what, what is that like I think we're talking about because um, skills are one thing skills can be learned but culture and attitude is not something that really yeah definitely like you can you can learn like principles of culture and like kind of adapt but like if you're coming at if you come you know for us for example we have some friends who are really talented and we'd love to see them skill set wise on our team but like culturally speaking they like could couldn't they be more opposite in, yeah. like they don't give a fuck about plants and at the same time like they're just not generally thinking in the same kind of a space of like optimizing physical experiences. Mm. But what we're really getting at is that like we have some principles of that basically if if you're super about those principles, like improving people's health and happiness and you're willing to do whatever it takes to best do that, um, and you want to create, you know, the kind of environment and the company that will get us there mm. and we'll go together, like we will reach over backwards with an offer of equity and everything because we need help, <laughs> you know? So it's not that like we're trying to close doors, it's that we just don't want to make our environment toxic with people who come in here and then say, you know what, why are we even doing this? Why don't we do that? And then it's like, I'm sorry, I think, I think you shouldn't be. And then your time is just wasted yeah, trying to convince yeah. them. You want someone to be able to share your passion, your vision. Values, and yeah. yeah, and values, exactly. And there's a lot. I mean, the fact is that we have a pretty precise formula. You know, like, it's not really everyone in the world can just jump in. But but we're going to be very clear about what that is. And, um, you know, we're, we are really early stage. So, like, mm. you know, we're, there's really not, like, 10 jobs on a job list right now, you know. But... Anyways, the point is that it is about culture, and if you find that you want to work for a company or you want to like join something, the best thing you could possibly do to convince the leaders of that or the owners or whatever to maybe even give you some ownership is identify what are their values, mm. like really go deep into that, and identify how you can basically become a hundred percent supportive of that. And if that is what you do, like it's very unlikely that you would meet a person and they would just reject you. You know? Yeah. So it's hard to do that, like. You know, and some people are also hard to reach, right? Which is why you gotta have a network and all that stuff. The the best jobs aren't found. The best jobs are created. So don't start on a job. Don't go to monster.com and search <laughs> for jobs. Well, you might need to to start with, but go to your favorite company and pitch them on a job. I mean, that's what I find is 
is creates the most value for the for the for the employee and for the company. It's tricky. What's nice about early stage startups is they're so small that like usually you can find a way to get in touch with the founder. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because I have a friend who, um, so she actually I don't know if you've heard of Charlotte Tilbury. Um, but it's a makeup brand um, and three four years ago it was essentially still a startup and she had an interest in the makeup industry of makeup and fashion and she actually contacted the founder like wrote to her and was like I think my skill sets you know would be valuable in your company and she ended up getting a job it didn't turn out great to be honest like That's she right. had to leave but <laughs> at least she tried and yeah. you know she got the experience that she wanted but country. yeah there was absolutely no job role um, on the market for her so exactly. Yeah, I guess it, people kind of forget that, you know, sometimes you have your strengths and if you go and, go and pitch it to the right people, then they can make room for you. For sure. And the other thing about starting companies is like, uh, it really helps if you've been at one that did it successfully. You know, even if you were only there for like six months, a year, you know, actually seeing the, like all the little things that like, you would have never just kind like of what, knew. what kind of formula is yeah, like like required for a good startup. Engineers yeah. in my case or something like that, you know. But then once you see it, you're like, ah, oh, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to say that because a lot of our other founders of you know um, startups have said a lot of them have been like the first employee of like a small company and, and they've kind of seen the mechanics and the background and the behind the scenes and what it's it takes really to yeah start yeah. up. You're like, wait a second, I could be a millionaire. It's <laughs> <laughs> this easy. Yeah. Um, so, just on the topic of AI, uh, they say that at one day we'll get to one day in the future we'll get to a point where you'll be walking past someone along the corridor and you won't even be able to tell if it's a robot or a human. Um, That's <laughs> where, where do you think <laughs> the future is going with artificial intelligence and, I guess, augmented reality? Yeah, take that, Lance. <laughs> All right. Um, the AI guy. Well, the, in, in, the, in the augmented reality, too. So, well, first of all, let's just step back for a second. Like, what is AI? What is augmented reality? Yeah, so give us, like, a brief, for people who don't the know really much about... The really like, definition of AI is it's, like, anything that... Uh, that hasn't been done before, like that that humans could do or something like this. Um, but but the the truth of it is that there's like these principles to it, and um, basically humans are like a at a certain threshold of intelligence, and and the things they're sensing, all of the ways they sense information, mm. all the ways that they can learn, and then what they can do, like all the actions that they can take, and that's really there's this feedback loop of sensing data, learning all the models of that data and then really like gaining rewards from that model by choosing to do something with it. So intelligence is um, something that can be optimized like mathematically by computers mm -hmm. um, when it comes to collecting data and automatically connecting all the dots and automatically servicing humans. Um, and so from my perspective, like. Uh, it, for a long time, I was really existentially aware. I'm like, wait, are we building killer robots? Are we building killer robots? Like, what's going on? Uh, school was really hard, so I had to really make sure I was like confident that <laughs> I wasn't building killer robots. Um, but from my perspective, it's basically a fusion. So um, there's not this robots versus humans. There's this, you know, robots and humans. And really, these things are just extensions of us. So like, if there is a robot walking by um, that's indiscernible from a human, my guess is that at the very least, it's still going to be controlled by a human. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's, like, what, your avatar running around? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but that, it's really, really beautiful. It's also, it is scary when you think about it, like, um, humans have had a very rough history. And so, you know, you don't worry about some robot rising from sentience, uh, from the ashes, and suddenly just going crazy. You worry about a bad human. Um, which is why we have things like intelligence agencies who monitor bad humans. Mm. Um, and anyways, the, but on the flip side of that is incredible. It's like, you know, we can take um, really any human problem, which is like all of business, you know, all of creativity, science, engineering, the way we organize our society. Um, all of this is, is ex like very much ripe for brand new frameworks that are computational um, that are potentially 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times faster, uh, more personalized, 
um, more connected mm. to, to everyone and um, and therefore I think like sooner or later you know probably in our lifetimes and most of us and, and listeners and so forth is like there's there's gonna be like just way better ways of doing things um, in government for example um, certainly in companies and so forth yeah and it's just up to us to like have the courage to move forward with those things mm. because like oftentimes you're upending maybe sometimes decades or centuries or millennia of like wisdom established human based you know ways of doing things and we're saying well computers can potentially do it better yeah but how would you argue that creativity it can be automated because you know essentially it's a form of originality and how, how would you what's your opinion on that well this is actually really nice and where augmented reality kind of comes in because I wouldn't say about I wouldn't say so much automated I mean potentially it could be but that's not really what interests me mm. what interests me is augmenting human creativity and so like uh, Steve Jobs has the famous quote that like um, the computer can be like a bicycle for the mind um, and I'm and I think uh, this Steve over here my co-founder and I are excited about the idea that like um, instead of bicycle for the mind, we like this idea of like having superpowers. <laughs> uh, so like accelerating yeah, the mind, superpowers yeah. of imagination um, and creativity. Mm. It's our mission actually to help everyone imagine and create their own paradise, uh, full of plants, obviously, <laughs> and potentially a lot more. And and the idea is basically, what if you could, when you're thinking about something, actually see it right in front of you? You're th like, you know, sort of this kind of closed loop between your imagination and your vision, mm. your actual visual cortex, your, your, what you're seeing with your eyes. So this is what augmented reality does, is it basically shows you whatever you want. So right now, for example, we're working on this application where it's like, just for fun, it's like, tell me your paradise. And, and, and then you like, <laughs> you like talk into the microphone and you're like, I want a warm, open space, natural feeling, uh, should have some jungle vibes and you're like I love Banksy and uh, and you're like you know you start talking to it and then all of a sudden it just starts rendering in front of you mm, like wow. graphically you know you're seeing That's this crazy, happen. yeah so like how could artistic creators mm. you know better use AI to to create a vision yeah, yeah. And, and to kind of build that it's exciting wow that's crazy I love that you're doing it for fun as well <laughs> <laughs> what I do in my spare time <laughs> um, do you think your Do you think your business has a social responsibility? Yeah. And how so? Well, first of all, people get along better when they're surrounded by plants. So I think if we're successful, people will just be happier. People will get along better. Um, less I've, I've been thinking about yeah, yeah, less stress, lower cortisol levels. Um, I've been thinking about sort of the the you know buy one give one. So maybe we could find. Uh, like Techstars, for example, a lot of the companies will give uh, a 1% pledge. Um, so usually they give it to the Techstars Foundation. And then the Techstars Foundation takes that and they uh, address issues in technology and startups. The number one issue that they're addressing right now is uh, um, equity, equal equity for women. Right. You know, which is hu a huge issue yeah, for, for, for the technology industry. Um, for us, maybe it's like buy a plant and we'll plant a, you know, you and I met in Brazil, right? Uh, the Amazon rainforest is becoming um, depleted. Maybe we could, you know, help to solve those types of uh, problems. I mean, we're not like these crazy, like, you know, we need to save. We're not crazy tree huggers. We're not activists, at least. Yeah, yeah. But... Uh, because I am but, a crazy but, tree hugger. But, but trees, <laughs> trees are a beautiful thing, uh, and we need more of them. And you know, if we can have you know this additional uh, dimension, yeah, yeah, then then we'll do it. Absolutely, we will. It's a good question. I, I think what Steve and I have agreed on politically are these types of like bigger questions about society. Is that first, let's empower ourselves to actually be able to make a change. So that's like literally making money and having an impact on society. Obviously, what you do as a business should be something that you can be proud of, ethically speaking, and all of those things. And I think we are very proud of what we're doing. But, um, but with all that said, I mean, yeah, there's little things you can do, you know, and the little messages you can send. And like today, I, I accidentally sent like a wrong signal to a CEO, a woman founder, and I didn't even mean it um, to like imply that like, uh, I, I just unintentionally implied that like, because she's a woman, she shouldn't be CEO. 
and I wasn't saying that at all. I was just commenting how I don't like being C CEO because <laughs> I get to focus more on fun research stuff. And the point is, like, it, it starts with consciousness, uh, you know, social social duty, basically, mm -hmm. and it extends th from there toward just, you know, when when everyone is actually aware of like the basic social problems, I'm I'm confident that, and everyone actually agrees their social problems. So you have to like respect them that people are having movements and so forth, um, which is a hard thing. I mean, think of how many people you go, like you know, into the countryside or whatever. There's this like divide, this social divide. So anyway, so the point is that hopefully one day we can get there. Yeah, and it's about building that foundation um, and getting to a point where where you can help and contribute back, right? Yeah, I think so for sure. I mean, that's what we believe for sure. Mm. So what is the big dream for you both, and what's the five-year plan for Three Co? Um. What's the big dream? Uh, Surfing we, in Brazil. <laughs> Wait, you can't yeah, surf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting a little. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> it's it's to yeah build this like encode a superpower so that you know anyone anywhere can um, sort of imagine. We can help them imagine what a better future for them is through the augmented reality. Yeah, uh, and then click a button and actually have that delivered. Mm -hmm to them you know it would uh, be nice if, for example cities were like you're going to singapore carmen uh that's like a super green city you're gonna love it yeah i can't wait <laughs> and um basically I, I think it's actually kind of a role model for a lot of cities just in that category um they've been doing this since like 1970s mm -hmm. or 50s or whatever and um but a lot of cities just ignored that so it would be nice if by the time we're you know finished new york was this like not concrete jungle but like a a jungle, jungle? Um, yeah how crazy would that be yeah um, that would be. i think it could be an impact that our generation has basically yeah and, and we're going to make it collaborative you know over time so it's not just an individual imagining what their paradise is because the fact is once you leave your house you're in someone else's realm so you guys need, like neighborhoods need to decide collectively what mm -hmm. they want yep. and it's really difficult for uh people to communicate with each other by words so that's why we like augmented reality because you can actually project out your paradise with someone they Against can live in people, it yeah. exactly and then you can find these overlaps mm. we, we find that the technology is up to the task i mean we're seeing prototypes right now of people who can sort of live in a shared imagination space literally like what i'm what i'm seeing on my phone or whatever is showing the augmented reality someone else can see the exact same thing um and so like you can have a community basically start suggesting changes. Oh, I want to add a park here. I want to start planting a garden here. What if we all put in a dollar on that, you know? What if all of us could just start upvoting and downvoting the ways to improve our surroundings, mm. like in our public spaces and in our collective spaces? Um, we think this is kind of like just the best future for us, basically. And we, we think we can help to lead it, basically. In the world. So there are no limits, really, with augmented reality. It's the fun part. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting. Your limits is your imagination. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. So just moving on to a couple more, like, I guess, personal and individual questions. What would you say has been the biggest risk throughout your career, um, and has it paid off? Uh, biggest risk? Uh, I mean... It's pretty risk-averse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a risk-averse person wouldn't start a company, mm. so there's that. Um, sure. All right, too <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, no. I, I think I think you have to be calculated in the risks that you take. But like I mentioned before, if you have the runway, then you can take uh, almost yeah irrational risks, um, knowing that uh, you know. Reed Hoffman has this quote saying that you know a startup is jumping off of a cliff and assembling a flying device on the way down. That's funny you say that because a lot of interview, uh, interviewees that I've interviewed have said that and okay. it, they, they feel like, yeah, it's literally you are building a business as you're falling. Yeah, and <laughs> as, as long as you it's have true. confidence in yourself and in, in the, yeah. the team around you, then it doesn't really feel like a risk. Mm. It, 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 there's a lot of uh, turbulence on the way down, but you know you're you're the captain of your own ship so it's something you can you can hack it i mean it's not it, it doesn't have to be life or death yeah um you're gonna make it you can learn and i think that's what you're you're trying to help everyone do is just learn from because it's true that people who've done it they know what not to do what to do like listen to them but like for me personally the risk is like 
I, I don't know I was in this total like just oh I'm gonna go learn everything I'm gonna go do everything and then the risk is that you forget about what you actually care about because of your passion you there's a risk that basically you start losing your relationships with your friends and your family there's a risk that you start losing your own character even and it's like really um, so in other words from my perspective like uh, it took me some time to realize you have to have your personal life truly you know you have to create that space and uh, there's no you should never allow a company any or any sort of work endeavor to take over that space yeah. um, and as soon as I started doing that effectively I became actually much more effective professionally because then it was like I didn't feel like I was being drained by the company I felt like every time I come back to the company space it's like ooh yes I'm so excited and I'm so inspired you're regenerated again yeah yeah so so the risk is you let your company take over your personal life when you start a company and um, and the, the trick or the solution is very simple just set that boundary mm. that's like that's the innermost core of your life like we're talking stuff like if you like to meditate if you like to go play basketball if you like to hang out with friends on a certain day like Obviously, you can't do as much as you'd like, you know, if you have a, ba a screaming baby that's like, you're moving a thousand miles per hour going down and you're going to hit the ground, like, you know, you're assembling the, the flying plane, but, um, but find a way, you know, find a way to set that space and make sure no nothing takes over. Okay. Um, so it takes a certain level of focus, resilience and uh, character in each individual to want to make their mark on the world and even just to step out and start their own business. Um, what do you think taught you guys to be this way and were there any kind of childhood influences um, or role models in the past that have contributed to this? I mean, uh, both of Lance's parents are entrepreneurs. Uh, my parents were entrepreneurs as well. Um, what do they do? So my dad owns uh, his own veterinary hospital, uh, and my mother uh, is a consultant. She's brilliant. She's amazing. Yeah. Steve's dad's great, too. <laughs> Sounds like Lance's got a crush on your mom. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Watch it, pal. <laughs> trying to set me up with a cousin now or something. <laughs> this is true, yeah. yeah. Um, she's a marathoner, you know. You, ha you have to give credit to family, and when, you when the family's not always there, you have to, yeah, you have to kind of create your own inspiration. And um, I've been really inspired by, I think one of the biggest inspirations for me personally has been the founder of Google, um, Larry Page. Because like when you really, I, I feel like I've read everything he's publicly put out at this point and no, he doesn't communicate much anymore, unfortunately for the world. Um, but what he has said has been to the effect of like, go for moonshots, don't go for small things. Um, set that five-year vision um you'll be surprised like you always underestimate what you could do in five years mm -hmm. but also like have patience because you'll overestimate what you can do in one year um and just the general framework for me personally about how he thought about information and how computers can change the way humans to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful like that's the principles of that are just not only weird but incredible um, and so for me, I, I, the more I looked into it, the more I was like, we are at a different time in history. And like, there's the, the like, when I was growing up with Google just being there, it was like, wow, we can get information a thousand times faster. It's a thousand times better. And I just felt like that fundamentally had to change everything. Mm. So for me personally, I've just been trying to find a way to like, to be a part of that change. Um, but also, I rec I'm really happy to say that like it's it's really just beginning, truly, um, and really it doesn't matter what age you are, it doesn't matter you know where you're at in your journey, like you can totally dive into the heart of it. Like you just gotta be like Steve and get through those sweaty, you know, hard hard days. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of perseverance. <laughs> <laughs> but the outcome is worth it. It is. It is. So, what does the definition of success mean to you? I think. In order to be successful, you have to focus on impact. You have to focus on people. It can't be dollars and cents. Uh, if you focus on people and a positive impact, the the money will come. Uh, it really will. Yeah. Maybe not tomorrow, but eventually, it it'll work out. Um, as long as you're focused on solving real problems for real people. It's good of a um, business model. We we took a little while before we figured that one out. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, just just. 
for us, yeah. it's it's having a positive impact on as many people as possible. That's success. Yeah, great answer. Same for you. Yeah, I definitely agree with it. Um, you know, to be a little bit more specific about that positive impact, um, I feel like for for what we're doing personally. Uh, to be in a to, to have the world in a place where if someone really wants to sort of allow for like a how do I say it well yeah I mean the simplest uh, simple thing to say is if they want like a little paradise around them um, if they if they want a, a more peaceful uh, like uh, you know I, I, I subscribe to this concept of Zen um, and basically, if someone says, I really would like more Zen around me, I, I would like it if, um, so I don't want to force my idea on anyone else, yeah. but like, if people want some more of what we've organized, it, it should be able to be as easy as potentially paying for it or, or just, you know, working for it, um, which is a pretty abstract feeling, but the point is that if we can basically create a lot more of that peace that nature can give to us and go beyond that in terms of how we decide what to manufacture, decide how to connect with each other to create value. So it's really quite deep, the potential opportunity that we're working on. Mm. Um, but the point is that for us, success looks like um, improving fundamentally your daily experience like the physical experiences you're having around you. When you're looking up, are you seeing that ugly New York City subway? Or did Elon Musk finally, and not just Elon Musk, but you, you listener, did you finally find the way to make the Hyperloop come about? Mm. You know, Because that's what it's gonna take as people who are focused on that physical improvement. And that's what we measure ourselves by is, did we physically? Have you physically like improved society and yeah. helped? Yeah, not like not some marketing campaign that we you know yeah. we convinced a bunch of people we did, but like you just look around. Yeah, and it's there. yeah, love that. So, have you? Do you guys have like a favorite failure, like one which has, you know, one which you've learned from the most, uh, one which you kind of always like everyone has that one failure that they always we remember. We have the social app. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, yeah. So I have uh, I keep I keep the sticker on my uh, <laughs> so you can I I keep the sticker on my uh, laptop case as a reminder to build build a real business <laughs> you know and like something sell something yeah uh, don't try to do a head fake and try to lure people in with something and then hope to sell them on something else. Mm. Um, you know, align what you want your business mission to be with a real uh, business proposition. Mm -hmm. um, because un unless you uh, unless you you do that, you're you're going to be a year out and just be like shit. <laughs> yeah, none none of that is to say that we were doing something disingenuous. We just didn't like monetization, meaning how are we going to actually survive as a business, was never really seriously thought of we were just basically like, we're gonna create this great technology to connect people. And like, it was like a Tinder and a meetup and like a Amazon or something all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. You have to figure out your business on day one. Yeah. Don't, don't decide to do something and say, oh, uh, we'll, figure, yeah, it we'll figure it out later. We'll have so many users. Start trying that, to make money on yeah, day one. Yeah. Like that's, that's a really good advice because if mm -hmm. someone's not gonna pay for it, they probably don't care that much about it. Um, yeah. And so the, so the failure was the just failure was that spending app. a year. How far did you get you know, into like the year? process? Yeah, about a year. But I mean, it also, had for you me, launched it, the app? Yeah, we yeah, we launched it. it. We had some, uh, we had some users. We had some, some actually interactions. Like, I wish it exists. You know? It's just that there's no money it's, in it. There's no money in it. That's, yeah. that's maybe why it doesn't exist, because there's no money. Maybe after we successfully grow this business, we can go just and solve that problem. But one problem at a time. And... Yeah, it was it was a good experience for me. It taught me how to code, so I learned mm -hmm. how to. I built an iOS app, and uh, over time learned backend. So, it, you it's amazing how fast you can learn if your business depends on it, mm -hmm. and 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 that's why it's so easy. Even if you fail yeah. at a startup, it's so easy to get hired immediately afterwards because people get that. Mm 
mm-hmm. people understand that if you've lived in a startup and founded one even better for two to three years your skill set is is just endless yeah and in general i think the things that we learn is like startups are mostly like a survival game because um, as long as you're willing to keep on experimenting for something that you think people might want tr- you know i think this is truly like our seventh or eighth like serious idea some of the ideas never got much time or daylight but the point being like just keep trying to to do something as Steve said, give yourself runway, whether you're doing this on the side or you've actually saved up money. Mm. Um, but the point is, like, uh, don't think you're going to get it right in the first shot. You know, be ready for seven or eight failures. Yeah. You know, and I guess your, your, <laughs> your growth has been like, exponential since. You f- yeah, yeah, you're forced. You you're just for- like you learn it because you take it to the next one. And you're like, mm. the, it, 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 it's shocking. And I don't even count anymore how many times we just know we can do something because we we successfully did it as a part of one of those failures so we literally just pull out code from that or we just have instincts that we mm-hmm. gain through that it's great so as tech guys <laughs> what kind of tools or apps do you guys use that kind of make your life better or easier google <laughs> <laughs> uh just Google's number one fan. They're pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what I like about augmented reality versus other apps is it's one of the, one of the first technologies that brings it, it, it inverses the typical relationship, which is how do I get humans to spend more time with computers? Mm -hmm. You know, augmented reality sort of flips it on its head and how can I get computers to spend more, to help humans spend time or, or, or or a better time with, with humans. Mm but what apps am I spending my time on? I don't know. I downloaded a cool app called Curl earlier today because they're in our building. What they do they do? Uh, they, they make it, basically you can, um, you can turn on uh, your location to always know where you are. And then if you create a, a trust with a, a place, like a place that, like right now I'm looking at our coffee shop, I can just ask for something and it'll use my location uh, as a payment. So it's almost like you step out of your Uber and it's paid. I step out of the coffee shop and it's paid. Ooh, yeah. Um, and I met the CEO there uh, last week. Really cool guy named yeah. Mike. Um, yeah, Curl. just check them out i would just say um I'm, i am a fan of kindle so i love kindle yeah read books you know, yeah they're, they're good coming <laughs> on to that question i was just gonna say when whenever i come and visit you guys in amsterdam i always see that lance always reading like some theoretical mathematical <laughs> book and then steven's often reading like an abstract biography or something um so my question is if you had to gift a book to someone what would it be and why I like uh, uh, Walter Isaacson's Leonardo da Vinci. I think that was the book that I was reading <laughs> when, when you saw it. Because, uh, I mean, I just love the story of, of da Vinci. I think he uh, was an incredible man. And, you know, he was the original Renaissance man. And I myself, I want to be a Renaissance man. Um, so, and I like biographies because it, it helps you understand someone. And you can, you can, you can almost project their person's life onto yours and mm. reflect on your life throughout the it. process exactly yeah yeah, yeah I, I think that's a really hard question because i would feel bad to give someone a book and it doesn't mean a lot to them um i mean yeah i'm looking at my kindle right now <laughs> and i'm like which one should yeah, i just the give the technology to of computing yeah right that one's that one's gonna be fun <laughs> for you let's give something An a bit more introduction to manifolds <laughs> I, I think i think the like sort of accessible book that I've got a lot out of actually um, uh, is a science fiction book. It's called uh, Walk Away and um, it's a novel and it's basically just about this like sort of utopian slash dystopian future as all good sci-fi is mm. and um, it's, 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 v- it's very, how do I say it, it's maybe like set, mm, I hope not to make predictions here but like 15, 30 years, 45 years from now, something like this. So it's about a world where like uh, more of the forests are chopped down, uh, more of the companies own more of the uh, like wealth, uh, basically, and a lot of people are just continued being pushed aside. Um, in any case, like the, the sort of thought experiment there is uh, 
Well, what happens when, when the technology is up to the task of changing society in huge ways, but the incumbents are not? And basically, um, like think about patents, for example. We have this really old patent system where if you come up with an idea and you communicate it to the patent, this is like a, this is like a 1600 monarchy concept. Like governments in the 1600s would say, oh, we'll give you a patent, you're the only one who can do this idea. And now in the computer era, I'm not even sure if it makes sense at all. Um, but the point is that like a lot of things are patented and mm -hmm. even if you could 3D print the cure to cancer, it may be patented. And um, uh, in this society, like there's this open source rogue movement that walks away and uh, basically says, okay, well, um, you can come and get us, like we're breaking the law, I guess, but we're going to go build Utopia. So um, they basically have this like collaborative open source AI to help them build houses and plant gardens and create communities that are happy and it's really super accepting of everyone and it sounds like Utopia. Except there's this dystopian context where it's like the military controlled governments are like trying to attack them and calling them terrorists because they're intellectual theft, you know, and all. it's just like, and these folks seem pretty nice, but they have to like get, yeah, pretty hardcore on this stuff. So anyways. So what happens? <laughs> Do the bad guys win? I don't know. You have to read the book. <laughs> you have to find out. <laughs> okay, so just one last question. If you, if you could have um, a gigantic billboard with one message, so methodically speaking, um, what would it say and why? Uh, I would say uh, move, <laughs> take action, move. do okay. shit, you know? Yeah, just yeah just move um and the reason for that is i think a, a lot of people think it starts with the inspiration and then you take action uh inspiration motivation action uh but what i find is that if you start with action then you can find the motivation and then you find the inspiration uh so yeah just get out there move talk to people uh solve real problems uh don't stay in, in your ivory tower mm. and, and think about things Steve's talking do, about me do, st <laughs> do stuff yeah, yeah yeah do stuff well that's interesting because on the theme of ivory towers and thinking about things the first thing that came to mind and I'm happy to say it, I don't think it's really going to change the world <laughs> <laughs> but it, is, it just was it's like an equation and it's my advice to everyone um, it's how I live my life is just uh, maximize intelligence like don't be comfortable with ignorance um, because when you get through the hard stuff, you find that you like have superpowers, and uh, so don't be afraid to learn far more than you ever thought you would. Yeah. An interesting um, comment that one of the, um, he's actually one of the lead pastors at one of our like massive churches in London, and he was saying how you should never become an expert at something and just always be learning, yeah. which I think is like a great mentality to have kind of relates to yours so yeah um well just to close up now thank you so much for sharing your stories Good guys times. i hope this has been like a real insight into the world of augmented reality and um yeah i guess to our listeners if you are a plant lover and you want to kind of use the product where can our listeners find you three co.ai we're also on the ios store if you just search three co You'll find it 3CL. Okay. We're happy to give discounts for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they can reach out to you, actually. Yeah, they can reach out. I'll put all the information and links in the show notes anyway. But cool. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for today. Good times. And thanks, thanks, thanks everyone, for listening. <laughs>